Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. Would you stand with me, please? And do you need him? Do you yearn for him? The message today is a revival desperado. And I know that's an odd title, but I was feeling in my spirit that the Lord was desiring for us to be desperate. And when we're desperate, good things happen. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Psalms, chapter 63 and verse 1. While you're turning to that, uh, one announcement I failed to make was the book club is going to be meeting in the uh, conference room at 6.30 on Thursday. They are discussing the book called The Speed of Favor, and it's written by our general overseer. Very, very powerful book. And if you haven't read it, you're still invited to come and be a part of it. The discussion of the book club is outstanding. Psalm 63 and verse 1. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. The psalmist, David in particular, knew about being in situations like that because he constantly was on the run from his arch enemy, King Saul. There's many times that David had to be hidden away, hid out. Here in this scripture it says, my soul thirsteth for thee and my flesh longs for you. I wonder when is the last time you or me have really been desperate for God? I mean desperate. See, desperate goes way deeper than just a a casual thought. And I'm asking today that you would even invite the Lord to help you to become a better revival desperado. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We need you. Every hour we need you. We need you every hour, dear Lord. And, And now, dear God, I pray that you would meet with us And let us become desperados for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Now, uh, I I asked you to greet each other today as being a desperado. And Brother David Coakley, he came by making uh, desperado music singing whenever he came by me. And so we have a kind of a mindset of what desperado is, but according to the dictionary, it is in dire need. 
without regard to danger or safety. Dire need. I need you. I desire you. I've got to have you. Before I get very deep into this message, I want to ask you, when is the last time that you would really say you were desperate for God? See, I, I've dealt with people throughout my ministry and I have found people get pretty desperate for God when they have broken the law and they're facing jail time. They get desperate. And I'm just telling you, they come to church faithful, they pray, they even show up to prayer service because they're desperate, desperate. I, I've seen, and, and listen, I'm not trying to make light of this at all, but I've even found it in my life. If the doctor gives a bad report to a family member, I become a desperado. Oh Lord, what am I gonna do? My prayer life increases. I get more focused and I can't get it off of my mind. I become desperate for God to do something. And, and I wonder how many times we get desperate. I, I mean, let's just get real. Men, when we were chasing our wives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything they told us to do, yeah. Come on. Fly me to the moon, okay. No problem. Because we're desperate. Yeah. Come on, men, let's talk a little bit more. We, we look and we see one of our friends and they've got the Mac Daddy truck. And we don't. We become desperate. Whatever we have to do to get it. Listen, I used to sell insurance and, and I went into some impoverished areas, but I will tell you, I drove into some impoverished areas that they had really, really nice vehicles. Why? Because they were desperate to drive nice. And if they had to do without other things, they were still going to drive nice. It's amazing what we do when we get desperate. Amen? But when is the last time that you can really say that you got desperate? Look here. The other day I wasn't in the market for a phone and I'm not in the market for it now. But I, I looked at the price of the new Apple phone. It didn't have an engine. It couldn't drive me anywhere. And I thought, I, I, I was speechless at how much that thing cost. Yet still, people will do without to carry the latest phone. When you get desperate, you won't eat ice cream if you can get what you want. I, I wonder when is the last time that we 
felt like Paul did when he said, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry. They have addicted themselves to the ministry. The other night we were sitting around talking and someone was saying, I, I, uh, if I don't read my Bible, it, it's almost like missing a meal. It is like, and, and we, the group that was talking, we were like, yeah. And you know, it's like, you gotta have your fix. Now I've never been a drug addict. But I, I got in my mind about trying to inject the word into me. When, when, now I just will tell you, when a person gets addicted to a drug, they'll, they'll stick a needle in themselves because they're desperate. I, I had a friend of mine, he got gangrene in his, in his foot because he had injected in his arms and everywhere else and finally he was injecting in his feet with bad needles and, and, and the bottom line is he was desperate to get high. When's the last time you've been desperate to get high on the Lord? Some of you might say, well, I've never been high on the Lord. Well, here you're in the right place. We need a revival. And most of the time when we talk about revival, it's about having a series of services or having an evangelist come in and all of that is good. But I believe today God can give us a restoration, which is a revival, a revitalization, an awakening. Now, uh, uh, again, I believe revival that God wants to give us is something deeper, far more complex, far more inward. At the beginning, uh, we, we can look at revival on the surface, but I believe that God wants it to be something that goes deep into our spirit. And we are revived. Revived, where we feel better, where we feel good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 2 says, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was Paul. He became addicted to Christ. He became uh, enslaved to Christ. And he said, I want all that I can get of him. And the world doesn't matter anymore. Now we get addicted to all kinds of things. We get addicted to video games. Come on. We get addicted to the telephone. We get addicted to uh, sweets. We get, and and we, whatever we are desperate for, we will get. Whatever we are desperate for, we will find time to do. Whatever we are desperate for, we will feed that desperation. I want y'all to help me here today. We all know that we have desperations. Why do we need revival? Now, I want you to listen carefully. 
I believe we are morally and spiritually drying up in America and in our world. I really do. I, I, God help us, help us not to be a part of that flow. Help us to be people who say we are desperate. It happens gradually. It, normally the devil doesn't just come in and dry you up. He just little by little applies pressure, puts the heat on you and you dry up. It, it happens uh, unexpectedly at times and many times it's not identified until we are weary, hopeless and terribly confused as to how to get out of our problem. I can't tell you how many times I've had people shake their head in front of me and say, I don't even know how I got to this place. I, 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 I never intended to get like this. I never thought that it would happen to me. And, and, and folks, you don't have to be a bad person for that to happen to you. It can happen to the strongest the most powerful, the mightiest, if you're not careful. And that's why we must keep a desperate, a desperate move toward God. See, uh, we have issues, whether we believe it or not, we have issues. Whether we, uh, whether we were the cause or the start of it, it's still our issues. Now let's look at some things morally. I, I read a recent study that most Americans, 86% of Americans, believe that our morals are, are poor or fair. Now I was encouraged by that. That, however, means that 14% of our society believes that, hey, everything is good. Now, we are bombarded in the media because the media advertises bad morals. Are y'all with me? And, and so we listen to the 14%. We listen and think that's the norm. We think that abortion, killing babies, is the norm. We, we think that unbecoming language is the norm. We think that divorce is the norm. Boy, y'all are quiet today. We think that drug addiction is the norm. So many drug addicts, so many alcoholics, so many, so many, so many that we picture it as the norm when it isn't the norm. But the indictment against the church, the indictment against Christians is that we have become the silent majority. We have become the ones that we have believed in being politically correct, and I know we hear that until I'm sick of hearing it. 
But we have become so desirous to be politically correct when our friends and our loved ones are on a path to hell and we just keep our silence because we don't want to offend anybody. I, I just want to tell you, when you get desperate, you'll tell your friend, look, look girl, I love you, but I just got to tell you, you are wrong. There's nothing wrong for a man looking at another man and saying, look, let's talk man to man. You're acting foolish. You're acting crazy. Straighten up your life. I love you too much. Come on now. There's nothing wrong with us holding each other accountable because our morals need to be improved. There's an ad on the internet I just read. And, and it was, uh, I, I'm not going to name the, the service, but I, I'm just going to tell you it was an abortion ad. And it said, late abortion care to 36 weeks. Listen to this. Safe, gentle, painless, asleep. Affordable, one-day procedures, no 24-hour wait, no parental consent, insurance coverage, Medicaid, safe abortion pills. That sounds fine. I don't have to talk to my mom. I don't have to talk to my dad. I just go do it. I just go make a decision as a teenager because I know everything as a teenager, just like we knew everything when we were teenagers. But this is what's being advertised. And look, I could, I could have listed out, I don't know how many of them. Society today is confused and replacing. Listen, I can't explain myself with, I don't have to explain myself. Now, let me explain that. We have people now that their response is, I don't have to explain myself. It's a defense mechanism. In other words, I don't know why I feel like I feel, and I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. There's a whole bunch of people doing it, so I might as well be one of them, but I don't have to explain it to you. To every police officer, every law officer in here, every public servant, I want to tell you that my prayers are for you. I want to pray for you every day. More and more, yeah, go ahead and give our. I'm on a soapbox today, so y'all might as well buckle up, amen. I, I, I am appalled at what's on the internet now where they're, they're trying to make our law officers that are putting their life on the line. Uh, I don't have to answer you. Uh, I know my rights. I, I know the law. And, and look here, uh, there, there are some police officers that cross the line. There are some police officers that do wrong, but overwhelming without a doubt, the majority are trying to do what is right and protect people. We need to pray for our public servants. Amen. We need, we are replacing the phrase, call the ambulance with, are you recording this? Come on. 
Huh? Are y'all with me? Yeah. It's not about is poor Johnny dying. Did you get it on video? We might can sell that thing. Or it might help us with our lawsuit. We, we have replaced uh, our, our morals with substandard living. We, we do idiotic things and we call it a prank. I, I saw a video sometime back where a group of young guys and young girls, they walked up, a man was not bothering anybody. They came without him having any knowledge and hit him. I mean, knocked him out. He hit his head on the concrete. I don't know if it killed him or not. Then they started kicking him and then took off running. And they call that a prank. That's our society with some people. Uh, we, we are abusing the internet. We, we have people who are putting things out anonymously. Come on. I, I just want to tell you, if someone writes me a letter and they don't sign their name, I throw it in the trash. That, that means nothing to me. It means absolutely nothing to me. But we have people who are hiding their real identity so that they can attack people throughout the internet. It's terrible. And then we're in a society where it's making everything about ourselves. So I would use this as a basis to say, we need some revival desperados. We need to rise up and say, it's not okay how life is going. It's not okay. Oh my God. God help Sumter. It's not okay that we have young people. They call themselves gang members. And my heart goes out because they are losing. They're shooting themselves. Lives are being lost. And, and, and we call that gang. When I say we need some revival desperados to get the good news out that God can help them and they can have fulfillment. They don't have to be a part of that. We are desperate for attention. We're desperate for fame. We're desperate for fortune. And no matter what we have to do and who we have to walk on, we do it. Doesn't matter. Just as long as I get my way, as long as I get my point across, it doesn't matter. What is it that you would give your right arm for? Now, that used to be the old saying. Oh, I'd give my right arm for a Corvette. Oh, I'd give my right arm if I could have a girl like that. Come on. What is it that you would give your right arm for? Now, God doesn't require you to give your right arm, but what I'm simply asking is, what is it that you're desperate for? 
do you have priorities and, and, and are your priorities justified? Do you have to justify or explain or defend your priorities? Let, let me explain that. Um, your, your behavior you know is not right. And, and when someone confronts you about it or is concerned about it, you get on the defensive. You know you're wrong. When you have to ball up your fist and get defensive because someone is caring. Now, I'm not talking about a busybody. I'm not talking about a nosy person. I'm talking about someone who comes to you and says, look, your actions are wrong. Uh, your, your behavior is wrong. How, how you're acting is not okay. If you have to defend it and get riled up over it, you might need a revival. A revival in your spirit. A revival in your outlook. A, re a revival. Now, I, I know I don't have time to go as deep as I'd like in this, but there's a story about Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And, and in verse 1, uh, they were in, in the book of Judges. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And so why they were in the condition they were in is because they did evil. Folks, hear me. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. If you do evil, you need to repent of it. If you do wrong, you need to get it cleaned up. Because be ye sure that your sins will find you out. So to me... I just want to leave it at the altar and let God take care of it. I, I don't want to carry it with me. I don't want to have to uh, go around and bear that burden. In verse 2, here, here's what it says in Judges chapter 6 and verse 2. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them, uh, or, uh, made them the dens which are uh, in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So the bottom line is they were delivered from Egypt not to dwell in caves and, and in hideouts. God wanted them to, to have the best life, but because they sinned, now they're in caves and strongholds and hiding out in the mountains. I just want to tell you, God didn't deliver you from sin. He didn't send his only begotten son to die on the cross of Calvary for you and I to have a stink life. He gave his son so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Are you with me today? So, so the Midianites were eating and devouring Israel's blessings. Listen to this. Here's what was going on. Uh, Israel was planting their, their crops, and the Midianites were coming and eating it. Now, how, uh, let me put it in today's form. How would you like to know that you worked all week, and I got to spend your money? How would you like to know that you worked and slaved and put up with all the junk you put up with, 
and someone you don't even like is eating your food, driving your car, living in your house. I'm going to just tell you that wasn't a good situation. But that's the situation they were in. The Midianites were eating and devouring Israel's blessings. And because they were so impoverished, they became uh, desperate and cried out to God. Israel started crying out, oh God, help us. Now, folks, I don't want it to be that you and I have to be in trouble to be desperados. I don't want it to be that you get bad word from the doctor or from your boss or whatever the bad word could be. I don't want that to happen and to make you a desperado. I want you and I to be desperate for the Lord, period. But even if that is the case, God listens to the cries of his people. And God heard their cry, and he sent a prophet with a word. And then in verse 10, it says, you have not obeyed me. And, and that, let me read that. And, and I said unto you, I am the Lord, your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. So now they're in a real dilemma because they had not obeyed the voice of the Lord. And the Lord sent an encouraging angel to Gideon. Now, here's the picture. Gideon has gone and hid, and he is threshing wheat. He is, he is working what little bit of wheat he could find. He had planted it, but he was having to hide out so that the Midianites wouldn't even see it. And he's in a hidden place, and he's beating the wheat, trying to get enough so he could have a meal for his family. And an angel is sitting over there and starts talking to him. I've got to tell you this. God knew where Gideon was. Gideon was hiding from the Midianites, but God knew where he was. You might be in a bad spot right now, but God knows where you are. You might be behind the barn and think that no one knows where you are, but God knows where you are. Someone needs to hear that right now, that God knows where you are. Now, the angel, he says, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with thee. Man, glory, hallelujah. If I'm Gideon, I'm going, hallelujah, I needed a word from the Lord. I'm back here hiding out. But Gideon said, the Lord has forsaken us. If the Lord is with us, why is all this bad stuff happening? He just was called a mighty man of valor. And he said, hey, 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 if all this is, why is all this bad junk happening? I want to speak to every person under the sound of my voice. Hear me. You are a mighty woman of God. You are a mighty man of God. Don't you let the devil steal that from you. 
If God tells you, you are my Lord. God help us right here. God said, go in thy might. I have sent you. And that's in verse 14. Verse 15, here's some excuses. Gideon says, I'm, a, I'm of the poorest family and I'm the worst in that family. Gideon was an honest man. He was saying, Lord, I hear what you're saying, but I don't understand why you would call me because my family is the dirt and I'm at the bottom of the dirt. I'm not even respected among the dirt. Why would you call me? And why would, have you ever asked God that same thing? Why would you use me? Why would you help me? Why would you bless me? I don't deserve it and we none deserve it. But listen to me, you are a mighty woman. You're a mighty man of God. God has raised you up. Hear the word of the Lord today. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, the, the promise, it goes on the excuses and God says, surely I will deliver you. And then Gideon, Gideon got bold. He got the word. Now here, here's what the deal was. Y'all listen to me. I'm, I'm cutting through a lot of the, the meat here, but listen to me. Here he is. And, and now he gets excited. Okay. I'm going to take the word of the Lord. So Gideon does a sacrifice, but he tears down all the altars of Baal. He tears them down and he offers to the Lord. And in the morning, when the prophets of Baal get up, they look and they go, where are our images at? And where is our altar at? And so someone said, I know who it was. Is that Gideon dude? That Gideon dude, he got the feeling his oats. That Gideon dude, he got the feeling he was a mighty man of valor and he started doing some stupid stuff. So they went, they went to Gideon's dad. And, and they were like, bring Gideon out here. We're going to wear his hide out. Now, that's not King James. That is Al. But basically, we're going to tear his tail up. He is getting, he's going to pay for that. And Gideon's dad said, listen up. If Baal was such a great God, why didn't he fight for himself? If Baal was so mighty, why didn't he defend himself? And these men didn't have an answer for that. Now, I, I, I want to get down to the battle because Gideon is needing encouragement. Gideon is needing hope. Gideon is needing some help. And, and so he, he does something like this. He says, Lord, uh, I just want a little bit of an assurance. And, and, and so he says, I, I, I'm going to put this coat out there. And, and in the morning, if it was you really speaking to me, let there be dew only on my coat. Next morning he gets up, he picks up the coat, and he wrings out the water. All the ground around him is dry, but the coat was wet. Boy, that was good. That was real good. But, but, but then he did like most of us, and including me. 
okay, Lord, that was pretty good. But this time, let everything be wet around it and my coat dry. So next morning he got up and there it was, dew all around. He picks up his coat and his coat is dry. Oh, glory to God. That is a, a, a word from the Lord. Praise God. Well, that sounds super also, but now, oh, Mr. Hardhead, he still needed some help. Come on, here we are. How many of you know that God will help you even through your weakness? He will, he will. There, there, there's times that I need him. I've heard his voice, but I just, I just have to have some reassurance. And God understands our human frailties, and so he offers that. And so God says, I, I, I'm going to bless or I'm going to save Israel. And, and you know the story where it started out with 22,000 men that gathered. God said, there's too many. Gideon says, all of you who are afraid, leave. And, and so uh, right then, uh, 12,000 of them <laughs> said, that's all I need to hear. I'm gone. God said, there's still too, too many of you. And he said, the ones who will laugh water like a dog, those are the ones I'm gonna save Israel by. And only 300 got down and lapped the water like a dog. Here's the deal. Now God needs to reinforce uh, Gideon because Gideon started out with 22,000. Now he's down to 300. And God says, uh, Gideon, I understand. You probably have a little bit of insecurity here. And, and so God helped Gideon to have a friend called Fura. And, and, and here's what they did. God said, I want you to go down to the camp. And when you go down to the camp, just listen. So here they are sneaking in. Here they are trying to just not be caught, not be seen. And I want you to get this picture that Gideon and Phura, they're getting near. And they hear a man speaking. He says, the arm of God has delivered us into the hand of Israel. We're gonna die, boys. That's all Gideon had to hear. They were already talking it. There hadn't been the first stone cast, spear shot, or uh, arrow shot or spear thrown and they're already defeated the enemy had already been defeated God had already moved into the camp and the enemy was already defeated here what Gideon did Gideon started praising God listen listen to what he did he started him and Fura began to worship God right there before there was the first arrow, the first spear, before anything, they started worshiping God. I need everyone to stand because in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to start worshiping. You might say, well, worship about what? Worship about what God is getting ready to do in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
they heard the Midianites and the Amalekites, the, the Bible described them as grasshoppers. They were covering the land and, and the camels were without number and, and they worshiped. And when they started worshiping, li listen here, oh God, uh, Gideon told the 300, when he got back to them, he said, we're going to divide up 100 here, 100 there, 100 here. And, and, and so I'm, I'm going to ask you today, this section right here, on this side over here, you're going to be section one, <clears throat> section two, section three here. It's 300 of us. We're in a, a situation. And, and so he said, we're going to begin to declare God. And, and so... It, 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 Brother Roger, if you'd pull up, um, let's see, pull up chapter 7, verse, uh, go, go to around verse 16, please. He, and he says, and he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outsides of the camp, it shall be as I do, so shall you do. When I blow with the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow with the trumpet. Also on every side of all the camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now we're going to practice that as a team. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. But this time, instead of saying Gideon, I would like for you to insert your name. The sword of the Lord and of yeah, there we go. You are a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. I want you to get this picture in closing. God is sharing the glory with Gideon. God is sharing the glory with Gideon. He said, you tell them the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. I wish someone today, when you holler this out, I want you to declare, I come against my problem. I come against my attack. I come against my situation. I come against my warfare. I am a desperado. It is the sword of the Lord. And of Al, the sword of the Lord. And of David, the sword of the Lord. And of Jackie, no matter how it is, I want you to declare it and I want you to believe it. Now we're getting ready to do that, but here's the end. When one is a desperado, you must believe and choose to believe God rather than the junk.
Now I know that's not a real deep theological word, junk. But I just wanted to get down to where the rubber meets the road. Hear me. We listen and believe the junk instead of believing God. Here it is right now. I'm asking you, are you desperate for your lost loved ones? Are you desperate for your marriage? Are you desperate for your children? Are you desperate for your grandchildren? Are we desperate for Sumter? Are we desperate for our world? My heart hurts. Right on Broad Street, young men went into eternity. Needless, useless. We've got a little girl that hasn't been found yet. We've got to get desperate. We are the church. We must get desperate. God, don't let one of our children get hurt. God, don't let one of our children die and go to hell. God, don't let our marriages break up. God, don't let us be anything less than what you've called us to be. Mighty men and women of valor. Okay. The devil comes to church. Some of you have been attacked while you're here. But I'm going to ask the three sections to let's run the devil out of here. Amen. Can you find a trumpet sound on there? You already... Come on, right there. There he is, right there. Now, you might say, preacher, I don't really like games in church and playing like that. If you think I'm playing, you sure don't know me. I'm not playing. These tears running down my face are not made-up tears. We're living in a society where we've got to have the Christians stand up again and say we're desperate for God to move, desperate to take back what the devil has tried to rob from us. I'm desperate for God today. Jesus worked through me. So here's what I want us to do right now. I understand the devil is the enemy of our soul and he tries to bring attacks on our lives. But right now in the name of Jesus Christ, we're going to declare the sword of the Lord. What's the sword of the Lord? The word of God. Hallelujah. 
I choose to stand on his word no matter what the world may say I choose to believe God I choose to believe God's word and I know God's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or are able to think Hold up your Bible if you've got your Bible, the sword of the... Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.